What you're about to hear is of a general nature and doesn't take into account your personal financial situation, needs or objectives. We recommend you seek financial advice before making any decisions about your super and consider the relevant Unisuper product disclosure statement. Hello and welcome to Super Informed Radio, the podcast that unpacks the world of super, finance and life's money matters. I'm Lyndon. And I'm Tanya. And Tanya, today we are covering what could quite possibly be the most riveting topic we've ever delved into on Super Informed Radio. Who gets your super when you die? We're actually going to try and flip this one on its head though, Lyndon, because if you think about it, it's actually empowering and frankly, a relief to get this kind of thing sorted. And people need to know it's really not that scary. You can actually sort it out reasonably easily. And doesn't everyone want one extra thing off their mental to-do list, Tanya? Mm. I know I do. So today we are inviting back one of our Unisuper experts, Charles Azapardi, to the microphone to take us through the basics and help get us all on track. Now, Charles is an advisor here with Unisuper Advice. It's our financial advice arm. He deals with this kind of stuff day in, day out. He knows all the rules. There's no question too stupid. He's heard it all before. So this is a safe space. Absolutely. Let's take a listen. Charles, as a party, welcome to Super Inform Radio. Welcome back, in fact. Thank you so much for having me, Lyndon. Charles, I guess, firstly, let's talk about super as an asset. Is it an asset like any other kind of asset? Like why why doesn't it just form part of someone's estate when they pass away? Yeah, so um, when we're talking in the context of someone's estate, super is a different type of asset. In fact, there's a number of assets that people might own that are not estate assets. So that's one of the first things that people need to think about and establish in looking at what they own. And superannuation is one of those things. People can have a number of assets that are not estate assets. And uh, another uh, example of that might be a home that's owned jointly. So as joint tenancy with with their spouse. And life insurance is another one like that too. So Superannuation, again, we need to uh, think about who we're nominating as beneficiaries. So when you talk about beneficiaries, who can you nominate? Are there there rules around who can and can't get your money? Absolutely. Uh, So in the context of superannuation, uh, there's uh, only certain dependents that we can nominate. You know, there's there's four key sort of areas that I, I sort of think of it as, but there's your spouse, there's your children, uh, and then there's someone who is uh, interdependent on you or has a financial dependence on you at the time of your death. When you say inter- interdependent, was it? Can you give us an example of like what that is? Yeah, okay. So there, there can be an instance where um, there might be, uh, for instance, two elderly sisters living together who um, share their, their income or their assets and their resources and help each other out. And they might actually... Um, help each other out on a lifestyle basis as well. Mm. Um, maybe one of them is taking care for the other, you know, assistance around um, a disability or um, assistance with their lifestyle, but there's a genuine dependence there between them. Right. So this category of dependence, there's like, as you mentioned, the financial dependence, then there's that kind of dependence, which is, you know, people who may just be living together or are dependent on each other. Mm. And then there are for want of a better term, you know, family members, spouses, husbands and wives and children. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, the children can be of any age, but there is different tax implications than 
that can have an impact depending on their age. And do we as a super fund uh, decide what a, an appropriate dependent is? Like can people come to us and ask, can I put my super to something and we can come back and say, no, you can't, that's not, a, that's not an appropriate dependent under the rules? So people can nominate who their dependents are or yep. who, who they wish their beneficiaries to be. Yeah. Um, those beneficiaries need to be allowable dependents under the superannua- superannuation rules. Yeah. Um, and that's going to get assessed at the time of death. Okay. So, so, so we that, don't we don't assess it before be... before death. We don't say, oh, actually, that won't get through. It's but, afterwards. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So someone might be a dependent at the time they're nominated, and mm-hmm. may not be dependent at the time of death. So that does. Okay. Because I guess the classic example is you kind of go, oh, I'm going to nominate my sister because I want my sister to have my super. She would only be classed as eligible, if you like, if that's the right term, Mm. if she was a dependent of mine. Correct, at the time of your death. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Obviously that's just a made-up example. Yeah. Yeah. And there's also another category, Charles, the kind of, what is it, legal personal representative? Yeah. Can you kind of go into that? Is that a state? Is that, what does that actually mean, that you can nominate your legal personal representative? Yeah, so the legal personal representative uh, becomes a person who's making the claim to the superannuation fund on behalf of the estate. So that should be, generally speaking, the executor where the person's made a will and nominated an executor um, or joint executors. Um, If they don't have a will, then it'll be the administrator, the person who's applied for letters of administration. Right. And so it becomes that person's responsibility to actually receive the superannuation proceeds and distribute those funds in accordance with the person's wishes, any bequests or how the estate is to be divided up in accordance with the will. Yeah. Um, Or in the case of um, no will, then the laws of intestacy. What so, a weird oh, word, yeah. <laughs> so with what you were saying there about the legal personal representative, yeah. you could actually, is it true that you could decide, hey, I want my super to go to, I don't know, your cat or <laughs> your sister or whatever, but that would have to come through a nomination via like the estate? Is that, because a lot of people okay, would probably yeah. yeah, look, I sometimes I mean? get the question, um, when they've thought about who the eligible superannuation dependents are, um, sometimes people may not actually have one. Yeah. So if they're, um, if they're I guess, uh, uh, mature age, they didn't have children um, and no longer have a spouse, they may not be a superannuation dependent. Uh, they might actually have the wishes where they want their, you know, whatever's remaining in their superannuation to go to charity yep. or to siblings or um, nephews, uh, nieces. And they wouldn't <coughs> qualify as so a dependent. They're not, they're not qualifying as a dependent. But people would like to make arrangements so there's certainty as to where the funds are going. So um, this is one of those examples where um, pretty much the only option the person has is making their nomination to their legal personal representative. Mm-hmm. And in the will, they can specify the charities or the, the beneficiaries who, who they're going to be, that they want to um, make their uh, funds go to. And it'll be, become the uh, executive's responsibility to divide the funds up appropriately and deal with the relevant taxes as well. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, you, so you can't give your super to your cat. That's what you're saying. (laughs) (laughs) May have some trouble with that under a will too. (laughs) Just maybe. Have you ever been asked if you can give your your, uh, super to your pets? 
Uh, I have, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah, have? Yeah, okay, yeah. interesting. And I'm sure uh, there's people who we refer people uh, to estate planning specialists where, yeah. you know, there's sometimes some interesting and complicated needs that people have. Um, but people do uh, sometimes have those sorts. Well, I mean, at the same time, they need to th- they need to think about who's going to look after these, you know, their pets and things like that. Yeah. Um, so people draft up things like letters of wishes and things like that mm-hmm. um, to give people guidance, to give executors guidance. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. It's probably a topic for another day, but it kind of draws attention to the importance of. Uh, having a will and estate planning and all of those things that mm. you would see day in day out. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Because um, it's it's there's there's tax implications to be thinking about. There's also, I guess, we live in times that are a bit more complicated, and there's there's no such thing as um, you know the traditional family. So definitely, uh, an area like estate planning can uh, sometimes need to entertain uh, a will that's not just you know the the sort of will that you pick up at the post office or something like that. Mm. Yep. Mm. If we just shift focus a little bit and put ourselves in the shoes of a listener who wants to nominate a beneficiary, could we just go through some of the terminology? Like we've got non-binding, binding, lapsing, non-lapsing, reversionary. It's quite complicated for the everyday person. Yeah. So if yeah. we could just get a bit of a breakdown on what that all means. Yeah, sure. Look, um, I guess, you know, one of the things after you listen to something like this, you might be wondering, oh, what have, what have I actually done? Or you know, where do I sort of stand with this? Um, so in, in the statements that people do get from, for instance, Unisuper, beneficiaries are, uh, are listed there. And where people haven't made a beneficiary, then there'll be a, an image and a, a bit of a, 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 um, a statement there to the point that, making the point that you don't have any beneficiaries listed. People can also look at their online account by uh, just logging in. Uh, the overview page, if scrolling towards the bottom, um, that will be shown there. So quite often, um, there's a great majority of people that have um, what's known as a, a non-binding nomination. Um, often used, the other term it's often used is a preferred nomination. What does it actually um, mean, Charles? <coughs> what what it, does it actually mean? That's right. <laughs> it's it's really just a, an instruction or a um, a piece of information. I, I'd like to think of it as uh, to the trustee, such as Unisuper, uh, telling the trustee that it would be your intention that you would like your superannuation to go to these parties. But the trustee has a process that they have to follow, and that includes waiting for a period of time, uh, six months, for claims to be made. Mm-hmm. And and then they need to make an assessment as to uh, whether to follow your preferred nomination or non-binding nomination, uh, or whether, in fact, one of the claims ha- has enough grounds uh, in which to make a payment that is different uh, to what you've nominated. Right. Okay. So under a non-binding nomination, um, you've given some information to the fund to help them make a decision, but you're still leaving the ultimate decision with the trustee of the super fund. So you're sort of signalling <coughs> your intention, but not saying this is definitely Correct. what it is. Because yeah. I understand the one you were referring to earlier, the binding nomination is actually like a legal document that they have to. Is that right? Can yeah. Can you tell us about that? With a binding nomination... Uh, the trustee of the super fund must pay in accordance with who you've nominated and in those proportions, provided it's valid at the time of death. Um, So binding nominations do give people, I guess, a much higher level of certainty around their overall estate planning because superannuation is often becoming a much bigger asset, you know, for people in their, uh, as they head towards their retirement, often it's their superannuation and or their pension and their home. So, Binding nominations um, do, however, 
because they because they can't be changed, so that it does require that you know a little bit of thought um, in that you're making the right choice. Hmm. Uh, and you can, then you can <clears throat> like cancel them though, can't you? And make yeah, a new one. Whilst you're alive and you have mental capacity, you can uh, change your binding nomination. Right. Yeah. Yep. Um, but a power of attorney uh, can't change that for you. Or gotcha. um, if you've lost your mental capacity, then right. your binding nomination is going to stick. Which brings us on to another important point about how you know most binding nominations out there, particularly industry funds, um, have a, a, a expiry period of three years. Um, and Unisuper offer a choice around making that expire in the three-year period or non-lapsing so that that's it doesn't right. expire. So, yeah, that's right. Our forms have <clears> the term <throat> lapsing and non-lapsing. So the ones yeah. that lapse, they last for three years. Correct. Unless you cancel them or whatever. But if they're non-lapsing... They're non-lapsing, they will continue to be in force yeah. uh, ongoing, uh, whereas the lapsing one at the three-year point in time, uh, the fund asks the member if they want to renew that death nomination. What are some of the reasons that you might want to change your nomination for your beneficiary? Yeah, all sorts of life events, um, marriage or separation, you know, if, if you're widowed. Mm-hmm. Other events might be, I guess, uh, there can be gifts made to children. So that can sometimes warrant either a change in nomination for super or and or a change or an update in your will mm-hmm. or some sort of contract to be made. So that, that can often happen where people have got two or three children, um, make a substantial sort of gift in, in you know, helping them in an important stage in their life when mm-hmm. that's still yet to happen for the other siblings. Sometimes it can just be a change in, in, in wishes. Some people update their estate when grandchildren come into the picture. Yeah. And so that, that can sort of probably not as much as applicable for superannuation, but still uh, can mean changes for their overall estate planning. And the big question, what happens if you don't have a beneficiary listed for your super? Where does it go? What happens? <laughs> Depending on whether there was a will. So some people yep. might have not nominated in their super but done a will, yep. uh, in which case the executor would then want to apply to the fund as the legal personal representative. Mm-hmm. And then it depends on whether there's other claims that the trustee has to consider that against. Yeah. Well, like a um, long-lost kid who's come out yeah. of the woodwork. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, yeah. I mean, these... Spouse. Yeah. 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 That happens, yeah. Uh, or ca- it could happen. Yeah, it can happen. Um Although they would need to be a dependent. Oh, hang on. No, they'd be a child, so they would be a bit dependent if they could prove it. Yeah. Yeah, right. So let me just break this down, Charles. I'm going to try and summarise everything (laughs) that we've discussed today. (laughs) So if if I'm out there listening to this podcast and I'm now starting to think about this stuff, I think this is how I understand it. I can tell Unisuper who I would prefer my super to go to pretty much at any time by logging into my online account and doing that. I can change it. I can cancel it at any time. That kind of thing is really easy. The, if I wanted to make a binding nomination, that legal nomination yep. you're talking about, it's a little bit more involved because you've got Absolutely. to have it witnessed and stuff. But look, it, it, it is a form that you fill out. But provided you follow the form, um, you can you can do that and submit it to the fund and then you, it can either be, like you said, lapsing, so uh, expires in three years, or it can be non-lapsing, in which case it continues. Correct. Yeah. And the people you can nominate have to either be your dependents or the your legal personal person. representative. Correct. And it's actually that simple. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, 
kind of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just means yeah. your super goes where you want it to go. Yeah, it's exactly. worth doing. Correct. Yeah, Definitely it's not just uh, superannuation as well. I might just heighten the the importance on this a little bit yeah. for some people. They think, but I don't have much in my super. Mm-hmm. But they have life insurance in exactly. their super. Yeah. That life insurance can be pretty substantial. Yeah. yeah. In some you know, cases, yeah, like yeah. you said, yeah. way more than Absolutely. Super. And yeah. that's exactly what, you know, I guess the spouse and children are going to be highly reliant upon mm-hmm. in such a you know, in such an instance. So yeah. um yeah. yeah, that does come up a fair bit. Mm-hmm. Where people sort of downplay the importance of it, but it is important. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. Thanks, Charles, for coming in today. It's been fantastic to hear about beneficiaries and uh, getting a breakdown of what it all means and how important it is. Thank you so much for having me, Tanya and Lyndon. It's been great. And that was Charles as a party, a private client advisor with Unisuper Advice, talking to us today about the importance of setting up a beneficiary for your super. While it's not the nicest of topics to talk about in terms of when you die, mm-hmm. it is very important to make sure your hard-earned money goes where you want it to. Exactly right. And if you want to do that, probably the best way to get that all happening is log into your online account and go to the beneficiaries section. In that section, as it exists today, there is a table which outlines quite clearly, I think, the differences between the two types of nominations, that kind of more intentional preferred one and the binding one that Charles was talking about. If you want to do the intentional one, you can do that straight away and uh, if you want to do the binding one there's a button there you can click and download the form and uh, get it happening we'll also include links and relevant information in our show notes for today's podcast and that brings us to the end of another episode of super informed radio if you'd like more information or to listen to any of our previous podcasts go to unisuper.com.au forward slash podcasts or you can subscribe through any good podcast app we'll see you next time bye for now